Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. Welcome back. Today, I'm interviewing my friend, May Solens. May works at the story shop. That's where I met her. And today, we're going to sit down and talk about a little of the behind the scenes of working at a phenomenal independent children's bookstore. We talk about some of our favorite classic literature, and May is just filled with a wealth of book recommendations. I can't wait for you to hear all the books that she shares with me. A little bit about May before I go on to the interview. She is an avid reader, horsewoman, and classic car fanatic. May grew up in a family that surrounded her with good books and encouraged her love of learning through them. She is a pastor's daughter, was homeschooled, and grew up raising cattle in South Georgia. After moving to Monroe, she began working at the Story Shop, a magical children's bookstore where she has blossomed reading and recommending books to others. This fall, May leaves the Story Shop and moves to Troop McConnell, where she will continue her education by studying communications as she prepares for a life on the mission field. I am thrilled about all the opportunities for May, but I selfishly will miss seeing her at the story shop. I hope you enjoy this interview. It was an absolute delight to sit down and talk with May. May, I'd like to start out by talking about your reading life. What made you fall in love with reading? Was it a book or did a particular person in your life inspire your love of reading? My mama was definitely the one who gave me my love of reading. She read out loud to keep herself awake while she was nursing me as a baby. She ran through all the books at the local library and then started reading my dad's seminary books to me. Um, So that's where they say my love of theology came from. But reading was always a part of life growing up, and you could always find my mama with a book. I love that your mom read books to you to stay awake because my mom would read to us but she would always fall asleep. And so there are a lot of running jokes in our house about how mom would add things in at the story. And I personally have a lot of favorite read-alouds that my mom shared with me. May, are there any books in particular that you can remember that your mom read to you? And are there any books or stories that, in particular that have shaped your life and why? One series that mama read to us at least twice was Little House on the Prairie books. And they're still my favorites now. Part of the thing that I loved most about Little House on the Prairie was how I got into scrapes the same way Laura did, even though my parents thought I related more to Mary and the rest of my siblings also fell in line with the rest of Laura's family. But she put her foot in her mouth and she did things that were wrong, but she was a hard worker and she was very loyal. And so that made her a very good character to model myself after. So how old were you when you read the Laura Ingalls Wilder books? Because I was talking with a friend today at church, and we were mentioning, we were talking about the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, which I also love. Well, I should say, I loved Little House in the Big Woods as a child. I love the TV show. I have realized recently, and I may have shared this on the podcast, that I had not read 
anything but Little House in the Big Woods, I think, as a child, even though I owned a few of the books. But recently I read Farmer Boy. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, May, how old you were when you first started reading them and which ones are your favorites of the series? I am really loving Farmer Boy. And I was talking to my friend today and she was agreeing she's reading it aloud to her kids. And I think I love that it was in a different part of the country. I have never been a huge wide open prairie person, but I, I don't even think that's all of it. I just loved the family life in Farmer Boy. I read it with Julie from the story shop. I love the family aspect of it and just the historical aspect of finding out what how they did their farming practices. So which are your favorites? I really, really love Farmer Boy. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. And then I have read These Happy Golden Years four or five times over the last 18 months or so, just because it's such a sweet story of how Lara and Almanzo fell in love and being, I guess, the teenager, la la in love kind of a deal. <laughs> I've read it so many times and really enjoyed it. That's one, of course, you know, that I haven't read. And so now I'm so curious. It, it's one of her shorter ones, right? It's pretty long. Oh, okay. The first four years is her shortest one. But I don't know, the way he's so many years older, but he still pursues her so purely and sweetly. Mm. It's adorable. And it's a really beautiful love story. And he comes in, which one is the one that he comes into Laura's life? Because there's my friends were telling me about, was it the long winter where he is the one who stores up the grain? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So in out, he could have come in in Little Town on the Prairie, but I okay. know for sure he was in The Long Winter, but he and Cap Garland saved the town by going, I can't remember how many miles it was, in the snow and ice to save the town. And they made them local legends and heroes. So, Wow. After reading Farmer Boy and more that I'm trying to like make some time to read the rest of the series. I really admire Almanzo. He's grown in more in my esteem. And I, I've always loved Laura. I loved the TV show as a child. I would play Laura Ingalls Wilder for fun as a child all the time. So I loved her, but now I'm really, really appreciating Almanzo like I did not before. Because I think I was like six and seven when I watched the TV series and read Little House in the Big Woods. Almanzo, of course, isn't in Little House in the Big Woods. He comes in in the TV series. But I think the the romance was just a little beyond me at the time. But and when Julie read Farmer Boy, did she talk to you at all about it? We talked about it a lot at work. And she was very impressed by all of the food and how they're working or they're eating. And that is almost completely it. I know. I, I forgot about the food part because that is what I love too. One of the things I love besides the family life and, and everything I've mentioned before was the food and the amount of food that the, the mother made. <laughs> All the apple pies and yes. everything. It, the donuts. I, I told Julie, I looked up the, a recipe. <laughs> I tried to find a recipe because I wanted to find donuts that I didn't have to flip over. And I, I mean, of course, I've never made donuts, but I thought big aspirations. But OK, I want to turn now to one of your other favorite books. I've heard from a reliable source that you love the Marguerite Henry books. And I always shied away from her books as a child. I've talked to May about this and she's she got these questions before just because sadly, I never went through a horse phase when I was a little girl. But recently, another friend, Whitney Borowski, when she was on the podcast, recommended 
the Marguerite Henry books. She said she loved Misty of Chincoteague, but she said any of them were fantastic. I feel as though I've missed out on them. May very generously gifted me a copy of her favorite of Marguerite Henry's books, King of the Wind. And I've just started it. I was telling May before we started recording and I may be four or five chapters in, but I'm loving it. It's beautifully written. The illustrations are phenomenal and are pulled into the story, whether you are a horse person or not, because I'm, I'm sure May will go into more detail. So I'll, I'll stop there. You were pulled into the story because of the beautiful writing and other things. Can you share, May, a little a bit about King of the Wind with the listeners? What has endeared the book to you and why should more people read Marguerite Henry? I went through a major horse phase growing up on a farm, and then my grandparents gave me my first horse book when I was four, and I started praying, asking God for horses then, and it was <laughs> eight years before I got my first horse, and he's still my favorite. Um, but King of the Wind is definitely my favorite of Marguerite Henry's books. It's the story of a mute slave boy and his love for Sham, who is a prized Arabian but underappreciated where he is. Sham goes through a series of events that involve his being a kitchen and cart horse despite being bred for speed. He's kind of unruly and really only listens to Agba, the slave boy, because Mm. of the love and dedication Mm. that he's shown. His story is a sad one, but he leaves an impact on racing history. And while it's not true, it is based off of the Arabian stallions who affected racing history. So not true, but loosely related. So the racing history... Real quickly, I want to ask you, so what what is it about the Arabians that changed racing history altogether? Like I said, I have no background with horses. They were bred for speed and as war horses in the desert. And so coming to England to what was developing to be a finer racing society in those days, they were very valued because mm-hmm. of how they were fast and they could endure long distances. While Sham's not appreciated for that, you find at the close of the book that his descendants are. Mm. And so he doesn't maybe get the glory, but mm. it gets to go on to the rest of racing history. Mm. That's a beautiful story about legacy and how encouraging for young children to have that, to be able to say, okay, my life might not have all the glory, but generations that follow me, my my life has touched them. That's, I mean, that's not knowing all of the, just from the little bit you, that you said, that seems as, as though that's some of, of the gist of the story. And it, it sounds lovely. I know from the very beginning of it, they have in the opening, it's like an introduction. It's not quite the first chapter, right? And there's a race and it's the, one of the descendants of Sham. And he is fantastic and he wins this race and there everyone's expecting his owner to take him on to further races and to gain all this glory but the owner chooses to stop there because he doesn't want to overwork his horse and then it goes on and you get the background of sham but it was very eye-opening to see someone take that time to know to have that love of god's creation god's creature and not exploit them and I appreciated that. And I think it was a good thing, again, for children, for any of us, for a reminder. I don't think it's just for children. Uh, there are times where you need to stop and say this is, is enough. But I don't know if you had any other things to say about King of the Wind. I you know one part of Marguerite Henry's 
writing that I really love is her depiction of the intelligence and the mm. feelings of the horses. And so that's not just seen in King of the Wind, but you can also see it in Misty of Chincoteague or Five O'Clock Charlie or any of the other mm. ones she wrote. Horse books can be a hit or miss, but hers are timeless classics. I love that, May. I just love that to be able to be exposed to them after kind of being a little bit of a a horse book snob. So I appreciate you gifting me this wonderful book and introducing or being part of the people to push me towards reading it. Misty of Chincoteague, real quickly, I'm just curious. You you do like it, but King of the Wind is your favorite. It's definitely my favorite. It's been years since I read Misty of Chincoteague, and I was going to start it this week mm-hmm. just to have a quick review and at the end of the week it was, and I didn't get to it, so... <laughs> We talked about ahead of time. We're recording this right after the fourth. And it's just been a very full week for both of us. And so we were we were just saying we, we kind of just we feel like this week has gotten away from us. So both of us were, were sharing that. How many just out of curiosity, how many of Marguerite Henry's books have you read? And how many times have you read King of the Wind? Is it just like a favorite from childhood, or is it one of those books that you read every once in a while, like one of your comfort reads? King of the Wind is a comfort read. I've probably read five or six of her books, but I'm hoping to get to the rest of them because they'll be ones that I want to read to my kids one day. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to share this with my little girl. And this was something I wanted to share with you, May, is right before May came here for the interview, we were scrambling to kind of clean up our house. And my little girl picked up a phone that we have that we let her have for Audible. So she picked up her phone. She had some earbuds that she saw lying lying around. And she said that she wanted to listen to the book about the star horse is all she was saying is she wanted to listen to a book about a star horse. Well, she was scrolling through the library that we have in Audible and she found Misty of Chincoteague. And for about a good 20 minutes, she was going around the house asking us to listen with her and telling us how excited she was to find the star horse. So oh, she's so cute. she's only four. So this is like a, a, a little bit beyond her. Oh, but one of, one of the books in the Misty series is Sea Star. And it's, I think, her, basically her grand cult. Mm. Um, so... Eventually, she might get into that one. (laughs) And that is the Star Horse. Right. How exciting. All right. May, are you ready? We're going to talk about the story shop. So one of the reasons I wanted to have May on is that she works at my favorite bookstore, the delightful and enchanting story shop. And this is where I met May. When we're airing this, this she will have left for college already, but I have been privileged to see her beautiful face as I come into the store. She's always so gracious and kind and welcoming. She's just been just a delight to see in the store. May, for those not fortunate to live near the story shop, can you share what makes this store especially magical? The story shop is one of my favorite places to be. It's a children's bookstore bent on fueling imagination and creativity. There's secret rooms all around the store based off of different works of literature, like a wardrobe from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and a hobbit hole. It just makes such a fun place to play and get to see all of the different, if if you've read lots of books, find the little details that you wouldn't know if you Mm -hmm. just watched the movie or not read it in years. So it's it's a lot of fun to be there. It's so thoughtful because you walk around. I was telling a friend about it today and I was telling her all the little things that you mentioned, like the wardrobe and all the little 
the little touches throughout the store that make it so unique and so magical and absolutely delightful. But it is fun. I feel like as many times as I've been there, I find new things all the time. It's, it it's... was, I'd been there two months and was still discovering stuff. <laughs> and I, we, we, a lot of my coworkers and I are convinced that there is a shop fairy that comes in there <laughs> and does stuff at night. And we walk in and we're like, oh my goodness, it's new. There's something else. I know. I think it was for me, I think it was a couple of years. And I looked up, I saw Charlotte's from Charlotte's Web. There's a little spider in a corner. I thought that was it's just, just so sweet because they're all just well-loved books. A lot of them are well-loved books from my childhood. And so I love all of those little touches. I can't recommend this store enough. I'm going to live vicariously through you for a minute, May. One of my favorite movies is You've Got Mail. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen it? Okay. And I'm sure many women of my generation have dreamt of starting their own independent bookstore after watching it. I know I did it one time. What is it like to work at a children's bookstore similar to the shop around the corner and You've Got Mail? And what is your favorite part of the job? I had worked at the shop for almost a year before I ever watched You've Got Mail. Oh, no. And and I wasn't even with work people whenever I watched it the first time. And I was like, man, how have I missed that? (laughs) So here we are now closing in on two years and getting close to leaving. And it's so sad. But I've been blessed to build really good relationships with my coworkers, um, with Mm -hmm. Julie. And um, she's she's golden. She's she's the best. Poured into me and discipled me apart from Mm -hmm. work. And had I been anywhere else, I don't think that would have happened. There are so so many parts of that job that I love. One of my favorite things is getting to pray over pregnant mamas. And then whenever they bring their babies to story time or just by, that's that's probably my favorite part of the whole job. I love it. How precious. It's precious. So, um, but yeah, story times. And then if the shop's quiet, I can read. There's, it really is the best job in the whole wide world. I love it. I know. I love coming into the store because it's just the whole atmosphere of the store. It's, it's different than other places. When you walk in, you feel so welcomed. You feel it's so whimsical. It's so magical. And children are allowed to be children within reason at the story shop. And everyone is so gracious And like May said, all the girls that work there are so sweet. They're so welcoming to customers. You feel genuinely welcomed in to the store. Melissa is the owner. She has done a fabulous job of curating the store and also of hiring these absolutely delightful workers. I want to go back for a minute, though, in the praying over the pregnant mamas. I know you heard heard my reaction just a minute ago, but I was not aware of this, May, and that is absolutely so precious. I just did not know about that. I don't know what other store could you go to to have that kind of experience. And that's just, that has, that has just blessed my day just to hear that. And how sweet of those, those mamas to be able to bring their, their babies there and just have a place for children to, like you said, be creative and imagine, but also know that they are being welcomed as children, that they are free to be in the store. I can't ever possibly talk the store up enough. (laughs) How long did you go to the story shop before you started working here? I was stubborn and my family had just moved to Monroe and I didn't really want to move. 
And we were living in this adorable little house downtown while we were waiting on Mm -hmm. our place to close. And being the stubborn teenager that I still am, um, (laughs) we, my mom was like, we're going to go walk downtown and there's a really cute bookstore and you should come. And I said, no, I'm going to hang out here with my book. (laughs) And she's like, okay. Well, she met Julie that day and they had a great time talking and mama came back talking about it. And I was not interested in going. And then (laughs) As I was looking for a job, I was like, I guess I can go look there. They weren't hiring at the time, but then a few months later, they were. So I started in August of 21, and then okay. my last day will be three days after I started two years prior. So Aww. it'll be, it Better. was something, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went from hating it to absolutely loving it. Yeah. So. Oh, I know, May, I had a move when I was young. I was younger than you. But there, there is something in a child, I think, when you've, you've grown up and you have a place that you've loved. There is that not willing to part with it. I don't know. It feels like kind of like a betrayal. So I can completely sympathize. But I am so thankful that you were able to find the story shop because it took me a while of finding something, struggling through my stubbornness to actually appreciate where we had moved to. So I'm thankful for you to have that. Yes. I've made my best friends there. I have read so many books that I probably wouldn't have read were I not there. I'm so thankful for the community and the sisterhood with the girls that I worked with and that I got over my stubborn self (laughs) and went ahead and went in and loved it because of all of the different things. So... So this isn't on here, and please forgive me. Question after it will kind of work off of this, but please forgive me for just throwing this at you now. But what are some of the books that you were introduced to at the story shop that you had not read before? Do you Can you think of anything off your top of your head? Um, <laughs> there are lots of books that Julie has recommended to me. that, And then also, I really love historical fiction and classics. And I don't know that I would have found them at the library, but I've loved getting to read them there. Ashes in the Snow by Ruta Septis. Really, all of her books have been phenomenal. And then Luck of the Titanic. I can't remember the author's name. Also, more historical fiction. And The Downstairs Girl is also by that same author. But all of those historical fiction, I probably wouldn't have picked up on. And I really have enjoyed them. Oh, yes. I'm so glad to hear that. So I'm going to ask this and I'm going to combine something. So this is a question I've, I've already asked May, but I'm going to kind of ask something within this that I haven't asked before. So again, please forgive me. The workers at the story shop are phenomenal at recommending books to children and the young at heart. Again, I have gone in there and gotten some wonderful book recommendations. I always ask what's new, what people are reading, what they, they really have enjoyed. How do you choose which books to recommend to your customers? And how many books are you reading in order to know what to recommend to customers? I was blessed to grow up surrounded by books all the time. My mom was constantly reading. She was reading to us. She'd read by herself on the porch. Like there'd be, there were books everywhere. And so most of them are things that we read whenever I was younger. I'm kind of not the best about reading new books as they come out. Because I remember this one or that one or another one that my mom read to me and it was good. And I can flip through it to refresh my memory. And I have worked at getting better on new books. I still am not so great at that. (laughs) But mostly things that I have read growing up or really I've discovered a lot of historical fiction and more classics Mm -hmm. over the last year. 
That's funny to me because I'm just like, I'm the same. And you could probably tell from the podcast, there's not like, there's not a ton of newer books on here. But Julie has helped stretch me yes. with newer <laughs> books. I'm going to give her a lot of credit for this, yes. but she has recommended a lot of newer books. She recommended A Place to Hang the Moon, which is still one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorite books in the last year. It's up there because it's like May has been saying, I usually go for the books that I read as a child. I usually go for the classics, but this book feels like a classic. It's so, so good. And Julia recommended that. She recommended Sweep. So I kind of Mm -hmm. have just learned now. I just trust the people. I trust Julie. (laughs) I trust the girls at the story shop, the reading that they're doing. So how many, how many books are you reading? Lots. (laughs) Um, If nobody's in the shop, we wind up reading. And whenever it comes to like middle grade through YA, which is a soapbox for me because I don't find YA to be an actual reading level. It is just a category. And I could talk about that for a really long time, but I won't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But usually I try to get two or three from each genre. I'm not a big fantasy person, but I can tell you about The Green Ember Mm. and The Chronicles of Narnia. And the Bark of the Bog Owl, because I can appreciate those more because mm-hmm. they are based off of scripture. Mm-hmm. Whereas another fantasy book, I'm like, I don't really want to touch it. Being, yeah. I'm not a fantasy person. I've tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not necessarily my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So whenever it comes to fantasy, I ask my younger sister what she's reading and we'll flip through it to be able mm-hmm. to. But historical fiction and classics are, that's my those. wheelhouse. Yeah. I can do those all day long. Yeah, I'm kind of the same, May. There are a few fantasies that I love, but I wouldn't necessarily say that fantasy is my genre, especially when I was younger. It was historical fiction. I wanted to live back in the little house in the prairie days, and I wanted to wear long skirts, and I wanted to do needlework and go to one-room schoolhouse. I mean, I wanted all of those things. (laughs) But even now, I find that that's been reawakened in me, that love of historical fiction, because for a while I hadn't been reading as much of it, but I really am now pulled towards it. And I really love the medieval age. <laughs> yes. I've found a couple lately. A Cloud of Outrageous Blue is one yes. that I hadn't read very many medieval books. And one day I was not doing anything at the shop, happened upon it. And I was like, oh, it's got a pretty cover. It does. And started reading it. And I think I read the whole thing that afternoon. It was really well written. I enjoyed it. It's really good. And it has, it's by Vesper Stamp. Is that, I'm going to get her name wrong. I will go back and put it in the show notes to make sure that it's, it's correct. But it's, it's beautifully illustrated by her. And it's about a young girl who is sent to a convent, correct? And she paints in the scriptorium. Is that? Yes. And then the Black Death comes the plague comes into their area so if you've listened to the podcast you know my fascination with the plague (laughs) it's not it's a little bit morbid (laughs) oh so talking about book recommendations may are there any new books coming out that you can recommend one that i'm super excited about that came out in june that we received as an advanced reader copy is called a shadow in moscow and I, I was on a Russian literature kick and I did somehow happened into it last fall and fell in love with it. It's not a children's book. It's a, I don't know if you would put it as YA or adult fiction. Yeah. Once again, YA not being anything but a genre, but it was so good. It's 
the split view of two women over about a 30-year gap who are spies in um, communist Russia. And it's so cool. So, like, one of them is at the close, starting at the close of World War II and working through the 80s. And she's this sweet, quiet housewife who's, like, helping her husband up the ladder to gain more information. And then the other is this young woman who works a high-profile government job. And so it's so cool. I, it's one of my favorite new books, and I just reread it last week because it's so it makes me – that's a really good book. When is it coming out, May? Is it already out? It came out on June 13th. Okay. The last – so the epilogue of the book takes place on June 13th of this year. And so, clever. It's clever. It was so good. I really enjoyed it. Oh, do you know the author? I don't. Oh, that's okay. I can look, I can look it up. But now I'm, I'm you know I'm that gonna be really good. you know I'm gonna be there <laughs> ne- next time in the story shop. I'm I'm going to be requesting that book because that sounds fascinating. I have been really drawn to the Russian literature lately, and so I love that you found that and that you can recommend that because I haven't even heard about it at all. So that's exciting. Any other ones? Did you read the one that Julie? I um, bought it. I have not the, read it yet. It's got the golden cover. Yes. And there's two or three happy kids on it. Something about bright tomorrow. Back to the bright before. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read it yet. I need to because Julie's talked about it a lot. A few of my other coworkers have read it and really enjoyed it. But it looks really nice. It does I need, look, to, it does I need look, to get to it. It does look really, really good. Okay. I, I know we have the quick round of literary questions, but I just... You've mentioned the YA stuff, and I'm so curious, and I just want to pick your brain a little bit, if you don't mind sharing it, of just what are some thoughts and opinions that you have about that genre? I as I like it as far as historical fiction goes. Okay. And then, I don't know, at the shop, it can be a tad confusing because we have what we call the restricted section that is YA, but there are also a bunch of classics over there. Okay. They're just more mature-themed classics. Okay. And... So I can do some of the science fiction that is The Hunger Games and mm. Divergent, though only the first one. <laughs> the rest of them are not I've my heard, favorite. Um, <laughs> and then I really do enjoy the historical fiction, but general fiction YA and fantasy really bothers me yeah. just because most of them are very gross. Yeah. And we're going to read. Let's read about what's good and pure and lovely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what Lewis said about let children have read of knights and courage. Mm-hmm. Let's not read the the dark and the awful mm-hmm. imaginary. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine with reading it with history, but not as mm-hmm. not as fantasy and darkness. Yeah. I don't like it. I like that you said about the fantasy and the darkness. Not like I like those things, but that comparison that you made with the good, the true, and the lovely, which is a verse I've always loved. But in the quote from Lewis, because it is true of, of filling our minds with these the darkness, why why do we want to do that when we could have the chance to really be saturated with lovely things that are that can give speak life Mm-hmm. to us. And I've been thinking a lot lately about what kind of books I want to share with my little girl to instill that love of courage and and of goodness. And so this is encouraging for me to hear you say these things because there is a lot of darkness that tries to come in through some literature that I, I feel as though it preys on young children. Yes. I never really thought about 
the YA genre. I feel like until a few, like I would say a few years ago, but like a decade or so ago, I, I was surprised by that category because I'd never really heard it before. So I'm, I don't know if I was just oblivious, which is absolutely likely, or if this is just a newer genre. I don't know if you know, May. I'm, I'm not positive. And something Julie and I have noticed as believers working there, as we receive the mm-hmm. shipments of the advanced reader copies of the books that haven't mm-hmm. been published yet, yeah. we'll open the boxes. And it used to be, mm-hmm. even just two years ago, the books that seemed darker were always what fell under YA, and now we're seeing them pop up in middle grade. Mm. And like, we'll just open a box up and flip through it and look at the books and read the back cover and just be so heartbroken mm. that new books, which is why we were so excited about Back to the Bright before, because mm. it. I mean, she's talked about it, how full of light and mm. good it is. It's it, Yes, there are troubles in it, but it isn't dark. Mm-hmm. And so, we, yeah, it sounds like I think one of the things is it's, it's not without hope. Right. And I think that we kind of encounter that a lot. And as believers, we know that we are not without hope and that others are not without hope. So to to see that to be enmeshed and entrenched in, in just a world of, of just hopelessness and, and, as you said, darkness, it's sad. It, it's heartbreaking because you want so much more for people. And it's a shame that those are the books that are being pushed. So I'm so thankful for this story shop, for the wonderful books that they expose children to. And I'm I'm thankful for kind of how they really welcome children into reading the classics. So I really appreciate that. They have, if you have not been, I'm praising it so much, but they have a lovely display of classic books and not just classic books, but classic children's books. I want to ask one more thing before we get to the literary yeah. questions. And this might, this might tie into one of the questions uh-huh. in there. What is your favorite classic book, May? <laughs> um, you want to go ahead and answer that one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will. I guess um, I can. Wait. Yeah, you can go ahead and answer um, Oh, that's hard because my favorite classic book is Emma by Jane Austen. Like everybody loves Pride and Prejudice, but Emma is by far my favorite of her books. Maybe because I am very similar to Emma as far as flaws go. And while the intentions might be good and there, I'll blunder and say the wrong things or do. She she did a lot of stuff that she shouldn't have. <laughs> she meddles. She meddles. <laughs> she she meddles. I meddle. It's No. <laughs> I know. Okay. I have a, a couple of things, tangents to go off of Emma because I also love mm-hmm. Emma. Have you ever taken one of those Jane Austen quizzes? Like, yes, which character? <laughs> We actually did one to my coworkers and I. There's four of us that have gotten particularly tight, and we all line up pretty well, perfectly, with several of Jane Austen's heroines. Like, one of the girls that I go to church with also is a celebration facilitator, and she's by far Elizabeth Bennet. One of them is softer and sweeter and gentle, and she's Anne Elliot from Persuasion. Yeah. And then the other is Sense and Sensibility. Eleanor? The more She's yeah. Eleanor. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny how we've all fit into that. And we carried this book that is all six of Jane Austen's books in this beautiful purple leather bound book. And so they're going to write a letter as I leave at the start of their book. Anywho, I'm very happy about that one. (laughs) That is probably like, I think that could be the best gift that someone could give you. (laughs) How sweet. Oh, that's precious. So I've taken the 
Jane Austen quiz too, and it, it's varied of who I am. I think it one was Anne Elliot, and then one was Eleanor Dashwood. And I don't know if those are true of my personality or if I rigged <laughs> my answers. <laughs> so I'm not real sure. But Emma is also one of my yes. favorites. And Mr. Knightley is probably my favorite Jane Austen hero. <laughs> I, a mix of him and Mr. Darcy and really Mr. Bingley. I do Even, love Mr. Bingley. Mm-hmm. He's so sweet and oblivious. I know. <laughs> Bless him. I joke. I've told my husband that he reminds me of Mr. Knightley. And I'm like, it's a good, like, I've, I've told him what his, I think his literary characters are that he reminds me of. And I won't go share all of them, but I'll share Mr. Knightley. And I have told him, you remind me of Mr. Knightley. I personally love the character of Mr. Knightley. And I've told him, this is like, a, this is a huge compliment for me to tell you this because <laughs> Mr. Knightley is wonderful. I love that he is able to correct Emma, but mm-hmm. gently you know that behind it, he really loves her. And she needs that. She needs someone in her life who can gently and lovingly put her in her place because everyone else thinks she's hugging the moon and that (laughs) she can do no wrong ever. Okay, before we move on to the quick round of literary questions, something that May has said within the Jane Austen answer, she mentioned the celebration facilitator. Wonderful. Another thing about that's so magical about the story shop is that they have have events and that you can rent a a room in the store for birthday parties and such. And I am like really thinking about, "Hmm, should I do my daughter's fifth birthday there? (laughs) They do such a good job with it. Um, Since I think we have five or six leaving to go to college, we're in the process of training Mm -hmm. all of the new girls. And we think they're they're really also phenomenal Mm -hmm. already at, what they do and I think they're going to do really well because I mean once you've worked with the same people for most of Mm -hmm. us have been there a year at this point or more and so like it's kind of like the end of a shop era we call them um, story shop generations I think I'm fifth generation and so they'll be they kind of fall under the seventh because of another hiring process so it's kind of you you got your special story shop generation and those that's the crew you were hired with and you see all the time so you mentioned that earlier of the the bonding and mm-hmm. what a wonderful ability to to form these relationships with other like-minded people. So it's just a delightful place. But we are going to move on now to the end of the episode where I ask a quick round of literary questions at the end for fun. This is how I like to end all my episodes. So I've switched it up just slightly. I told May she gets to be the first person but I've taken out one of the questions and I've added a new question I, I, I think I told her I, I think I reworded one and then took out one so I I mean I do this a lot and I still I'm still not sure <laughs> what I told her but for the first question May what is the best book you've read in the last year Going back to Russian literature, I went on fall break with my family last year, got back to work, was looking around the store, and on a whim started reading War and Peace. And it took me three months, but I loved it so much. I cried over Natasha and Prince Andrew, and then I worried over Pierre and his poor, sad state of mental health for a little while. But it got better. Um, And then I sympathized with Sonia, who was like, she was constantly sweet and good and still looked down on. But it ended happily. And after 1,250 pages, you really need a happy ending. Because 
Rampage 800 is looking bleak yeah. and hopeless. But it got better. And <laughs> so I really enjoyed War and Peace. It was my favorite of this past year. May. I'm so glad you said that because it's on my list to read. I've never read it ever. And that gives me hope that, okay, first of all, I love how you described the characters. And I think that really draws you to the story that you want to read it. I also love that you said that you read it in three months. So it doesn't seem like it's as daunting as I thought it was. <laughs> I think I averaged like 400 pages every month. And I would stop and read like a quick, light, silly read just so that way I didn't have the whole deep. Because I don't do well reading multiple books at the same time. I've tried it a couple of times. It doesn't always end well, but it was so good. And so I really enjoyed it. Okay. Another quick, I mean, this is just a quick, quick question going off of this. A criticism I've heard a lot of people make of the book is that they couldn't keep all of the characters straight. So did you have a difficult time? And do you have any any tricks or, or any wisdom on how to do, how to keep them apart? Well, I looked it up the other day as I was coming up with answers to questions and whatnot. There are over 500 characters in War and Peace. And I don't know, this is me guessing. There's about 50 that you really want to keep up with. Like, mm. My favorites were Natasha and Prince Andrew and like their little circle. But I made a list mm. of the people I should mm -hmm. keep up with and that helped a lot. Okay. And I know that people have said there's a lot of nicknames within. Yes. So did you make a note of their <laughs> oh, nicknames yes, as well? They had a whole little had a whole page of like name and then like their position in society and then <laughs> nicknames. Wow. Just because there was a lot of them. And I think Natasha was the one who had like four or five nicknames she oh. went by. And I got confused and would have to like turn back and be like, oh, yes, this is her. She's that one. <laughs> then catch back up where I was. I like it. The books that will have a family tree at the beginning where you can go back and look and see. There's a, like a few that I've seen. Where, well, And I don't think that it's with War and Peace. Mm -hmm. I don't. It yeah. doesn't. But I think it does have a list in the beginning of yeah. the edition. Also. Kind of sad. The edition that we carry translates all the French into English, oh. which is nice. But me, who took so many years of French, is like, I want to read it with the French. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I need to keep this up. I didn't work all those years for nothing. I love that, maybe because I, I'm always like, I don't know what in the world they just said. <laughs> and I took French a little bit in, in college. I, I know that there's one of my favorite books. There's a whole passage that's in French, and I think it's... It's one of the Lord Peter Whimsy mysteries. And and it's a big part of the story, so I want to know what's going on. It's not translated. <laughs> and I think I had to go and look up the passages or something. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Because this seems like it's really important. So I love that you said that. Okay, the next question is, if you were trapped on a desert island, what five books would you miss the most? Um, hmm. Emma mm -hmm. is one. Anne of Green Gables. I, whenever I um, was applying to work at the story shop, in the hiring process, if you're applying to be a bookseller, you come in with a book and hand sell it to the managers. And I don't know, I guess I was having a really good, bubbly, cheerful day and I <laughs> I got it. And so that one, my dad made me fall in love with Anne of Green Gables through watching the movie with him. because The 1980s yes, one? Yes. Because he loved Matthew and how Matthew just loved and cared for Anne. And daddy very much did that with us. Like... There was this one time, not that long ago, he had to go run errands and he came home with a dress and he was like, I'm not sure which one of y'all this fits, but it's really pretty. Oh. <laughs> and so that very much Matthew yes. thing. 
I don't know. I love Anne of Green Gables because of that. Now it makes me think of my dad. Oh. But, okay. My, what, are there any others? Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Other? No, no, no. You're <laughs> sorry, good. I was, gonna, um, I was gonna. You were talking about my, Anne of Green Gables, and, and I, I got was on just the like, whole oh. tangent. No, no, no. Um, I was like, <laughs> I'm just loving this so much. So War and Peace, and then mm. we were joking in the car, my family, as we were riding to the lake. And he, if you were trapped on a desert island by five books, would you want? And my dad goes, "You want Swiss Family Robinson, don't you? Because that's the how-to." On <laughs> so I want Swiss Family Robinson. Um, seeing that. <laughs> I haven't ever read Swiss Family Robinson. I've seen the movie. <laughs> I think I read years and years ago in a Chick-fil-A bag. They had an abridged version of it. Yeah. And I read it and the illustrations were so pretty. And so I decided I was going to read the rest of it and liked it. Yeah. It would be a how-to on how to live on an <laughs> island. But <laughs> it's in my Bible. I would yeah. have my Bible. It's got all, right. all the genres yes. of literature. <laughs> yes. So often I I go back and I think about reading the Bible and especially as a child, just being so thankful for the Sunday school teachers that really instilled the stories. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because they're just ingrained in my mind, especially the Old Testament stories. Mm -hmm. And we also had one of those, and this is back in the 80s, May. It was a uh, comic book style Bible for kids that I think, I don't, it's not the action Bible. I can't remember what it's called, but I loved that Bible so much and would just pour over it as a child because it was like in comic strip form and you got a condensed version of the story, but you still got quite a bit out of it, obviously, because they have stayed with me. And there, I love the book of Genesis and I think about it very often because I'm so grateful to see a picture of, of men who failed and yet God intervened in their life and was so merciful and gracious to them and did not discard them and they are in the lineage of Christ and I just it is such a good reminder so often for me so I love those answers war and peace I have so many books in my stack but I that was been one on my list for a while and now you really sold it to me a lot (laughs) it was so it still strikes me as funny how I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start War and Peace today. <laughs> and, then, and then about mid-December, I was wanting to be done. <laughs> I think it took till the end of January, but it, yeah. it got done. Well, I like that you broke it up. I think that was wise to do it in that way and to have that little little bit of a break. And it kind of re-energizes you to come back to it. Oh, and then Anna Green Gables, when you were saying that, I loved that it was your dad mm-hmm. that introduced you to it. There's something so special about that. I, I've shared before that my dad gifted me on Christmas with my first set of Anna Green Gables books. And dad was not the type to watch it with us. Like we watched mm-hmm. it before when I was really little, before we ever we ever read the books. But he saw around Christmas time a set of the books and knew that we loved them and gifted that to us for Christmas on his own initiative. So it's always very dear to me to hear things like that. All right, May, what is a book you haven't read? but have always meant to read. Um, my coworkers and I were going to read this one together this summer and still have not got to it. So the chances of us doing it at this point is kind of unlikely, but <laughs> Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy. I haven't haven't read it yet, and I really want to. <laughs> it's so good, May. It's so good. It's so good. I want to read it so bad. I got it as a, well, I got a copy for myself and then one of my coworkers, the one who's Ann Elliot, um, <laughs> I got her a copy as her graduation gift oh. just and told her, we can read it together this summer yes. and we haven't yet. Have so it. we need to. 
It's such a good one. I love the character of Gabriel Oak and I love Bathsheba. I know she's a love or hate character, but I, I do love her. So, oh, I can't wait for you to read it, May. And here, you'll have to you'll have to text me after <laughs> you read it and let me know what you think or as you're reading it and we can just like, I, discuss. I didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. And then it somehow, like the movie trailer, yes. popped up in my YouTube recommended stuff. And I was this looks really good. And then it was based on a book. And I said, well, I can't watch it <laughs> until after I've read it. So, yeah, we read it in my book club this past year, and it, it was a favorite among many of us. We, we loved it. And then this past week, a friend from church, he hosted a movie night, and he had one of Thomas Hardy's novels. It is not as upbeat as Far From the Madding Crowd. And I haven't read it yet, so I, I wouldn't necessarily recommended it. it's it's a bit of a downer it's a it's a tragedy it's called the mayor of casterbridge so we were over a, a group of us were at his house watching it this past week and it's a gut punch and i still am thinking about things from that novel so thomas hardy who wrote far from the madding crowd has definitely become one of my very favorite writers <laughs> i don't know that i can read all of his books so but he's he was phenomenal if you could invite any author or literary character to dinner, who would it be? Let's say three to five people or characters. I always tell people they can cheat, though. And what would you serve? So I was very torn between, like, fancy English tea or (laughs) very southern dinner. And um, I think I would stick with southern dinner just because that's more in my area of expertise. Though I'm not much of a person for American literature. I'm not either. I don't know why. But... Mm-mm. English or Russian, mm-hmm. that that I can do. But I think the people I would invite would be Jane Austen, Ellen mm-hmm. Montgomery, mm-hmm. Charles Dickens, Arthur Conan Doyle, and Leo Tolstoy. And if doing the fancy English tea, there'd have to be coffee because Doyle strikes me as a coffee kind of guy very, and very not observant. a tea man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, full Southern supper would oh. be cube steak, tomatoes, okra, biscuits, excellent boiled potatoes for Jane Austen. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I love that answer, and I would want to be invited as a fly on the wall. And the tomatoes, of course, would have to be fresh from the garden mm-hmm. because those are the best mm-hmm. when you can get those. But I would love to, okay, this isn't, again, I'm so sorry, May, keep like thinking of questions that are not on here. What are your favorite, I already know Jane Austen, but, and Leo Tolstoy, but of the other authors that you mentioned, like Charles Dickens, and Arthur Conan Doyle, I would love to know your favorite books or stories of theirs and why you chose them. I love any and all Sherlock Holmes. I do enjoy the novels, but the short stories are my favorite, especially, Mm -hmm. um, I was at Barnes & Noble a few weeks ago and not at the story shop (laughs) and found a collection of Sherlock Holmes short stories that were Doyle's picks, like they were his favorites. And I've really enjoyed reading those, knowing that that's what he enjoyed the most. But, oh, shoot, what is the name of it? There's one short story where there's all of these, like, tiny little characters drawn on the stuff. And it's a very dangerous situation. Anywho, that one's my favorite. And, of course, Sherlock Holmes fixes it and saves the situation and all that. But that was one of my favorites. And then of Charles Dickens, it's been years since I read it, but Oliver Twist, I really enjoyed it and found out the dean of my school 
at the college I'm going to is a huge Charles Dickens nut, and his favorite's David Copperfield. So I think I need to read it before I go to college, yeah. just so I can be like, so yeah. <laughs> I read this one. Why do you like it the best? Yeah, but we'll see. Oh, I love that. So I haven't. I've read a few of Dickens. I've read A Great Expectation, Tale of Two Cities. Tale of Two Cities. Is- do you love it too? Yes, I do too. It's. It might be better than Oliver Twist. It's so good. It's so good. I love, I didn't want to give anything away, but I love the ending. And mm-hmm. I was just talking with some friends recently and they're like, oh, Tale of Two Cities was such a slog to read. I had to read it for school and I still enjoyed it. Like, Oh, I, lo- I, well, I read it. it for fun as a teenager. Mm-hmm. This was the, we had watched a BBC production of the mm-hmm. book and it was wonderfully done. And I just, I don't want to, like I said, I keep saying, I don't want to give anything away, but I love A Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. I was also so fascinated with the French Revolution as a child. Yes. So. <laughs> Which is probably not super healthy, but <laughs> yeah. But Oliver Twist is not one that I have ever read, so I don't, I, I don't know how I happened into it. I mean, and I guess I was pretty young to read it. It was early middle school, mm-hmm. so it's been a very long time, and I don't even remember what I loved the most about yeah. it. But Dickens kind of tickles me with all mm-hmm. of his words. It's fun. <laughs> so in my book club that I'm in now, our next monk's pick is Hard Times by Charles Dickens, which I think is his critique of the British school system. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. That's That one might be interesting. I know. I was, I'm like, I'm not sure that's what I feel like. So if if there is a Charles Dickens fan out there who has read Hard Times, and I have I've misquoted on this, please, please correct me because <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, I struck this off the list, but I didn't know if you had any more before we wrap up finally, any other book recommendations that we did not cover. Don't feel pressured if there's nothing else. The Odyssey. Oh. It was, once again, me loving classics. I read it on a beach trip, fall break of my junior year. I love this and, answer. <laughs> and um, so I took Jane Eyre and the Odyssey as my beach reads. Yeah. And my sisters kind of laughed at me for like these deep, kind of hard yeah, classics. And I finished, them, <laughs> finished them both in like four days. But wow. I loved the Odyssey and Jane oh, Eyre. Both of them were phenomenal. And it was the first of the Bronte sisters books that I'd read. And I haven't got around to any of the rest of them yeah. yet. But I loved the Odyssey and the mm. character and just all the things that he went through. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And then Jane Eyre too was so good. So those are those are two of my other top picks whenever I was going into the story shop. On my resume I did a list of my favorite books and I don't think anybody else did. It was a very <laughs> nice like little yeah. You should hire me. I can yeah. tell people about books. <laughs> but that's that's actually how they hired a couple, like one of our newest booksellers who's going to be filling whenever so many of us leave. She sat down at her interview. She said, I'm going to make people buy books. And they're like, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love that you said the Odyssey because in seventh grade, we read like an abridged version, but I have a copy on my shelf. That I want to read. It's been one of those things where I'm like, God, I've got to come back to it because it's one of those books that a lot of the basis for a lot of literature from people reading that. I, I think of, of Shakespeare too. It's like the importance and the value of these works of literature of just kind of laying the foundation for so many people that followed them. And then Jane Eyre did that episode with my friend Kristen recently. So mm-hmm. I have to ask you, May. What you thought of Mr. Rochester. <laughs> My opinion changed after I listened to yeah. that episode. Because I was kind of mixed feelings on yeah. him. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm 
mean, yes, he he had some redeemable qualities, but what was he doing falling in love with her when he's still right. yes. given she was crazy. Yeah. But he was married. I know. So Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I had so, a hard time with him for a while. Did you? Oh, me too. Me. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Kristen did kind of help me through that. Did you know about the wife in the attic when you read it? Was that something? Were you surprised no. by it? Okay. No, that I don't know. My mom, I don't think, had, maybe she read it in high school, but she didn't say anything whenever I started reading it. And what, like, I'm reading at the beach, just very quickly turning the pages, yeah. and was blown away by the wife in the attic and yeah. just thought it was a really creepy house and she should get away from there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I love so I love to hear that. It was completely unspoiled for some people. So, oh, how fun. Well, May, this has been the most fun way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for spending your time like this and coming and sitting down for this interview. I want to have you on again. You know, I will. We will find a book. We may have to do War and Peace together, May. for <laughs> <laughs> it. Might have to go back through it. I know. Because there's just so many details. <laughs> I know. But- I know that would be like a two-parter, definitely. But thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a delight. And I'm going to be very sad to not see your face at the story shop. But I am so thankful for the time that I had to get to know you. And I just wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I've had so much fun. Good. (laughs) Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. In the meantime, if you'd like to connect, you can email me at beth at a wellreadlife.com. And you can also DM me at wellreadbeth at Instagram. I'm not on it very often, but I will check it occasionally. Enjoy the last few weeks of your summer. Until next time. <laughs>